Welcome to the Profaned Ordained Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode eight, transform or transmit? Question mark? You know, I wanted to title this episode uh, STIs oh, yeah. for spiritually transmitted issues, but <laughs> that was shot down. Yeah, a lot is being transmitted these days. A lot is being transmitted um, yeah. on accident and in some parts of the country. Yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you right there. Just to st- I got to bring another grammar piece okay. on the table. Something I've been hearing you say in your Zoom calls. Oh, no. I haven't confronted you on this yet, but it's super been bothering oh, me no. as a pet peeve. You've been saying, it's like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Wait. It's Groundhog Day. It's not Groundhog Day. Yes, it is. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, and my phone is recording, and so now you can't Google it. But it is Groundhog Day. That's the name of the movie. Groundhog Day. Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day. For, it's for all it's her... possessive. It's the Groundhog's Day. <laughs> that is... A... Groundhog's Day. We oh, can... I, found, I sound like a... I sound like a real idiot, don't I? <laughs> People are like, we're not coming you know to that what? school. They don't even teach them how to say words yeah, right. Yeah, so... I meant to tell you a few days ago, but... I well, just happy ground, Groundhog's Day. What is it? Groundhog. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day? Okay. It's good to be back. Like Memorial's Day. <laughs> exactly. It's like that. It's Valentine's that Day. It breaks down. Okay. <laughs> well, so I think that we should start this episode with a check-in, Liz. Ah, yes, um, we should. Yeah. How are you doing? Mm. What are you checking in with? I'm checking in with... Honestly, you told me you were going to uh, ask me this question, and I still didn't think about it. Well, do you want me to go first? I would like you to go first. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I will go first. What are you checking in with, Michael? Uh, checking in with a lot of joy and fear, mm-hmm. uh, primarily. Uh, there's been a lot of joy these mm-hmm. last few days. I would say probably the last 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and right next to that is some fear. Yeah. Fear around, well, uh, I, I'm, well, it's super uncomfortable for me to feel joy for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think because I fear it uh, leaving, and I think the fear uh, is really anxiety, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, yeah, so checking in with joy, fear. It's fearful to be stepping back into recording this mm-hmm. uh, and talking that in a way that people are going to hear later. So I'm sitting with that as we start tonight. Yeah. Uh, I'm checking in with the same, actually. Fear and joy. Um, fear, I feel like I have to check in with because I woke up this morning feeling like something was standing on my chest, something or someone. Um, it's a claustrophobic feeling. I don't know if any of you resonate with this, but I think in, in light of Groundhog's Day, there's, there is a sense of claustrophobia. Like I can joke about it, but it actually feels like I'm stuck in my life and my life is buffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, some of that is, uh, shifting a little with... Oregon State Parks announcing they may be opening relatively soon. And I like saw tomorrow? I don't know. It's, okay. you know, a phase back situation, but I saw that somebody summited Mount Adams a couple days ago, and I don't know why that. I don't know. That it's seems just, illegal. I don't know. It's the state of Washington. They open their parks. Anyways, fear. I'm checking in with fear. That's real. Um, and I think I'm feeling that in my body. My body is exhausted. Mm. Like, I feel like I wake up every morning feeling like I got hit by a bus. Yeah. Uh, and joy. 
I don't know. Our kids are so freaking cute right now. Yeah. They're just so... They make me so angry and also so riotous with laughter. Yeah. So I To think... be clear, they also have been, at times, a-holes. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean... But it's true. they are super cute. They're it so, shifts very quickly. They're sweet. Yes. And Bina started trying to French kiss you, so that's a new thing. Yeah. Every kiss, uh, there's tongue on my teeth. My teeth feel tongue. It feels like a slug. If <laughs> like if you've ever had, a, if you've ever eaten a slug, that's what we're it taking feels this like. too far. But anyways, yeah, there's been a lot of joy. So, so with that, we're in. We're in. We're in for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're kind of continuing this uh, this maybe finishing up this series in Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's kind of not really been in Genesis, and that's and fine. it's kind of not really been a series. Yeah, but it's that's not fine. really a series. Yeah. So uh, if you remember from our last episode. We talked about Genesis 1, um, and really, uh, to encapsulate that, we talked about tov me'od, mm-hmm. uh, the Hebrew for very good, when God looked at all that God had created and said, it was very good, mm-hmm. tov me'od. And uh, so we enter... Meaning the connectedness of yeah, all things. Yeah, so yeah, so about, it's about connection, right? And I think that's the misconception about Genesis, about creation, when it, in its origin was perfect. Right, there was no, it was like as objects and like itself. objects yeah. that were perfect. Mm-hmm. Right, so almost like a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We just watched Charlie and the Chocolate uh, Chocolate Factory with Bina the other day, kind of like that. That was scary. It's a little bit demented, <laughs> but um, but that that's kind of the misconception of Genesis. When in, when in reality, what God creates is a very connected yeah. creation, and mm-hmm. so we move into Genesis two. And it's really a second creation story. Mm-hmm. And in that second creation story, we almost get like a ground level view. So Genesis 1 is like a 30,000 foot aerial view of creation. Genesis 2 is literally in the ground. Mm-hmm. And it starts with God uh, moving into the dirt, uh, breathing into it, uh, into that substance, whatever that dirt means, uh, uh, the breath of life. Mm-hmm. And out of that moment, comes the first human, mm-hmm. uh, Adama, right? Adama, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so God uh, walks with this first human through creation, naming the animals, giving this first human the lay of the land, um, and trying to find companionship, mm-hmm. right? You almost get a sense that this first human is not connected, and, and, and shortly after, we see God says it is not good yeah. that the human should be alone. Mm-hmm. And so you think about it from that perspective. The not goodness is not about the human being imperfect or being somehow incomplete, but that that human is not connected like yeah. the rest of creation. Sure. And so God... Enter, help meet. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we could, I mean, maybe we should get into this. I don't know if we but should. But here's what, here's what happens. You're my help meet. Yes, we are each other's help meets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you know what a help meet is, someone who helps you eat meat. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so God ca- causes this first human to fall into a deep sleep. Uh, and out of uh, Adam's side, mm-hmm. it's always been. Let's rib, talk about this for a right? second. I want to hear what you have to say. When I was a child, now I, <laughs> I don't know if this is true. It doesn't matter. And I don't even know it's where I It's a profane, it. ordained podcast. It I doesn't just matter remember, what's true. I just remember my Sunday school teacher telling me that if I went up to a man's rib cage and I counted the ribs, 
one would be missing. Shit, you're right. Am I wrong? Did anybody else yes, hear this? Yes, I definitely remember. Like, Turn remember, around, I'm going to count your ribs right now. No, I remember people saying you have one less rib. You have one less rib. And I don't know if it was on just one side or <laughs> both sides. I don't know. But, I wonder if that's... But I definitely... It's, it's definitely parallel. <laughs> if I have one less rib, I have two less I ribs. I wish that everyone could see what Michael's doing with his hands right now. It's not appropriate. Okay, I'm just pressing it up against my, my breastplate here. <laughs> okay? okay? Anyway. Okay, so out of... The side. Yes. We always, that's always been translated rib. Yeah. It's actually translated side. Mm-hmm. So imagine that a dinosaur uh, just bit half of your body off. And that's more or less what we're talking Are about. Are you sure? I that don't seems know. a little. It wasn't a DNA sample. God didn't just stick him like, let me extract that rib. You never know. Yeah. Well, maybe. Um, but out of, out of this first uh, human side mm-hmm. comes the second human. Yeah. Right, and uh, the first human looks at the second human mm. and says, this is bone, bone of, of bone, bone, flesh of my flesh. And here's, there's so much that gets focused on. Oh, because yeah, this is the ultimate marriage text, this suddenly. Is. Right, like, somehow Eve uh, is the name of the woman, mm-hmm. and uh, Adam, the name of the man, and Eve is somehow lesser because she came out of him. And, <laughs> she was uh, second. Yeah, she was second, right? Forever and, second. And so, yeah, like this help me thing, right? Like, how have you heard this? I don't know. Maybe you I don't want to talk. This. I don't want to get into. You don't want to get into it. Okay, no, that's I, fine. Yeah, I don't want to. We could maybe at another time, but I'm just, you know, the gender conversation. Yeah, that's great. It's so beating a dead horse. So Liz, let me just make this point. All right. And say this: that text mm-hmm. is not about women coming out of men and therefore being secondary yeah or subservient yes in fact that very word is a name used for god everywhere else in yeah. scripture that word is used as a is it's it, a word it, describing god in like yeah in like a battle you know mm. that's what i mean when you see that word pop up in the psalms the psalmist is invoking god in this warrior kind of language mm-hmm. so i don't know why we translated it as some it's just garbage well i mean to be honest, like here's what's here's what we need to acknowledge yeah. the text was written by a patriarchal culture yeah. in a patriarchal time. Mm-hmm. And we've all lived in a patriarchal environment for the most part in the West. So, mm-hmm. like, whatever. Okay. You know, that's, so whatever. that's what we're Let's dealing move with. On. So, Liz, tell yeah. us a story hmm. about a time when you looked either at another person or a group or at yourself and said, This is bone of bone, flesh of flesh. You've feel like mm-hmm. you've arrived or you have somehow been seen? Uh, yeah. Oh, I love this question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, this is really silly. The first thing that comes to mind is this story of a friend of mine named Amy. I don't know if I've told you the story. No. I'm sure I have. I don't know. Okay, Amy. I was on a, a weekend retreat in Phoenix and Amy was like a new friend. I'd known her for like 48 hours. But some one of the things that I was processing on this retreat weekend was like how difficult it was for me to be silly. Like publicly, just being foolish. Now that we have kids, it's a lot easier. Um, but it's really hard for me, and especially in a group of women. Oh my goodness. Like I feel anxiety, just like my palms sweat thinking about being in a group of women and being silly. I don't know why. It's just a thing. 
And Amy, uh, on this weekend retreat, she, so she's a flight attendant and we're ending one of our nights, you know, someone was like, well, let's just have a dance party. And I was like, Oh, like I feel anxiety thinking about women in a, in a room having a dance party. That might sound really stupid to everybody, but I feel anxiety and it's a social anxiety just pops up immediately. And Amy knew that about me in the context of 48 hours. She like understood this reality for me and the music starts playing i don't know what it was maybe pink was playing which, oh classic classic pink okay remember which song? because she i don't remember what which song but i remember pink you know she's like destroying the patriarchy you know yeah. so like it this was the vibe in the room with these women and i remember amy looks at me across the room and she points at me like a flight attendant would point at you sitting in the seat and she starts like motioning doing she starts doing her whole flight attendant like safety routine but like towards me all the way across the room and then just like sucks me into her like dancing, you know? Yes. And I was there and I was, I was like, it was the freest I had felt in years. And it was this moment of like, I haven't talked to Amy since then, but there was like, you know, like our eyes met across the room and I like, I felt like she was saying to me, like, I got you Simmons, Mm. like come to me and to my dancing or, it was so fun and wild. And I felt really, really seen. Mm. Um, The other thing that comes to mind is being at uh, my dad's graveside last Mm. summer. And we had kind of word of mouth. Like, we just, like, didn't want to make a big announcement. Um, We had, you know, my dad's funeral was in Indiana. He was being buried in Iowa. So, you know, his body had to travel, like, all this way. And we're like, we just don't want to have a big thing. So it was a word of mouth thing. But the people who showed up at my dad's graveside were people that not only knew my dad, but also knew me as a child. And there was this moment for me of deep connectedness, like one that I can't, I can't really put into words how seen I really felt. And it was almost like mysteriously weighty. Mm-hmm. Like there was a gravity mm-hmm. to that space that I felt so deeply myself mm-hmm. and so deeply known by the people. It was like a cloud of witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, that truly knew me. Um, it was a really profound moment. So, come. I mean, yeah, I guess one of those stories is silly. One of them is a little more intense. Um, but, yeah, I guess that, that that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I feel like with that, those, those words, this is bone mm-hmm. of bone, flesh of flesh. I mean, what's being said is uh, you are bone of my bone. Mm-hmm. You are flesh of my flesh. And mm-hmm. I think whenever we experience whether in in community if that's like a larger community or in very intimate relationships mm-hmm. or just in uh, you know the mysterious connection with God mm. um, there is this sense that it, there's both a seeing of the bones mm-hmm. of another and the uh, seeing of your own bones yeah right this deep connection that's still distinct mm-hmm. and yet, deeply connected right this almost reflection of what we talk how we talk about the trinity Mm -hmm. father son holy spirit or mother son mother daughter holy spirit like how whatever metaphors we want to use this this community of god that is that is distinct and separate and yet deeply connected and Mm -hmm. i think what it what the first and second humans what that original community are experiencing i think for the first time is a communion with god yeah right because now there is relationship, right? Mm-hmm. There is human, human in relationship. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
so I you know I think that something that sticks out to me Liz around what we see here and I think is often missed when we, t- when we think about God putting Adam into a deep sleep mm-hmm. and then pulls out a single rib or two. <laughs> one rib. One the, or two ribs. The wishbone. Yeah, it's the wishbone. <laughs> it, it's uh, like Dwight. Where they break yeah. The, yeah. The, pig, the ceremonial. ceremonial whatever. Anyway, um, but like that scene is so sterile. Right. It's so sterile. Yeah. Um, and yet, like, who, I mean, it's only in a modern medical uh, way. Okay, that, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why doesn't God just scoop up another handful of dirt mm. and breathe life into it and make a second? Mm. Why out of the side? Why do you think? No, why do you think? <laughs> no. I ask you second. Okay? Second. Why do you better. think? Um, well, I mean... It's my, just as simple. God could have just done that. The first thing that comes to my mind is that, like, there was a missing of connection. Mm-hmm. Right? Like... Um, Interestingly enough, the animals in Genesis 1 are made from the ground, mm-hmm. just like the first human. Yeah. And if you read in Genesis 2, you see Adam not connecting with the animals, mm-hmm. right, in that way. Yeah. So, I, I mean, part of me would, would, would wonder that that human needed to come from human. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you have a second human without the wound? Right. Can't, well, can you have a relationship? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the that's the question. What is. I think that there is an archetypal uh, foundational movement that we see here with the with this wound. Mm-hmm. Right. Like God didn't just didn't just um, take this part of Adam and create something without leaving anything behind. Right. Like Adam mm-hmm. would have there would have been a wound. If not, he's not human, right? Mm-hmm. Like the rest of us. Somehow yeah. this hum- this first human was less human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there is, there's a movement into woundedness and then into community. Yeah. Right? Can, do you think that you... Can a relationship truly, truly exist without the wound? Without, without entering into the wound? I mean, I think that I think that we have relationships that certainly are exist without that movement, without sure. going through the wound. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's probably safe to have those relationships, right? Like working relationships or the transactional ones. Transactional yeah. relationships, right? Even even uh, you know relationships that are somewhat cordial and and even to an extent uh, there you you like the person, right? Like mm-hmm. you know you enjoy being around the person, but I think. When it comes to intimacy, uh, maybe narrowing it down to intimate relationships with others, with ourselves, and with God, um, no, I don't. I don't really think that there is a that those relationships actually uh, can be sustained without going into the wound. Mm. Yeah, what kind? I mean, yeah. I guess I start thinking about my my close friendships. Mm. I mean, I think about our relationship yeah. and how. Oh my gosh. I remember, uh, <laughs> she was so broken when we met. <laughs> That's funny. I actually, I have this quote in my head that someone said to me when we were dating, yeah. cause you were such a dumpster fire. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you can't say Babe, that I love people. you so much. Okay. Okay. But okay. Seminary was a hard time. It was a healing time. Yep. Hard and healing. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sticking it out. Yeah. So anyways, I remember one of my friends said to me something like, 
and we were going through a really hard time and my friend was like you tell Michael he needs to get his shit together if he wants to date you you know and I remember just like there was like this surge of like anger like a justice kind of anger that rose up in me and I was like no that's not what relationship is relationship okay and okay to a certain extent all right there's a boundary to that right yep okay but I I honestly I mean that's one of my I guess one of the things I carry in this life is this like um I realized early on that the depth of relationship really comes through working through the wounds. Yes, through, right? Through. I mean, that's that's the key. And, and not necessarily saying, so I wound you and you get over it and now we're mm-hmm. connected. Not like that, but like I carry my own wounds. Mm-hmm. And to connect to you, I got to move through that yeah. to get to you. Yeah, so there is, there's kind of these two spectrums that we think about when we think about woundedness um, and neither one of them are the way. One is um, staying... Uh, avoiding the wound, mm-hmm. we'll say just, avo- masks. just masking it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other movement is staying in the wound, yeah. right? Um, the wound is a. It, we talk about the wound as like a. It's a liminal thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that it's it exists deep within us, yeah. right? I would say we could call this. You know, if we get into Genesis three, this is what we mean when we say original sin. Yeah, I would say that what that actually sin by the way, is is the opposite of tov me'od, right? Disconnection. Disconnection, right? Yeah. What you see in Genesis 3 is um, the two humans eat of the fruit. Mm-hmm. Their the eyes apple. Are, the apple, it's an apple, right? <laughs> a very sexual and sensual apple, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, their eyes are open. They see each other's nakedness and uh, clothe themselves. Mm-hmm. Then they hide from God and they also point fingers at one another, right? It's It's this anti- Connection. connection yeah right and um and i think that what i forget where was i going with that where were you going with that i don't know anyway oh yes the 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 two movements right it's either masking mm-hmm. the wound mm-hmm. and that's what we see in genesis 3 or it's staying in the wound mm-hmm. which i think we also see in this genesis 3 instead of moving through and coming back and coming back right the cyclical nature we almost sit in it almost as punishing ourselves yeah. fig leaves it's 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 a different kind of fig leaves right we wrap ourselves in fig leaves right. either by denying the wound mm-hmm. or by identifying so deeply with the wound that we can't possibly imagine a diff- an alternative yeah uh, we we can't reconnect to that image of god yep. within ourselves yeah yeah mm. so um i where I forget where we're going with this. Well, we're talking about transform or transmit question mark. Yeah. Okay, so there I was biking, listening to an audiobook. I just love that so much. It's a like thing for me. Audiobooks in general or I, the you're not supposed you're to listen to headphones when you're road biking at forty miles an hour. Oh. But I don't know, it's a thing for me. I'm living on the edge. Okay. okay, so Richard Rohr, our teacher. I'm just gonna call him Master Richard. Yeah. Rick. Rick Rohr. Rick Rohr. Got Rick Rohr. <laughs> He is, you know, essentially writing about this reality that what is not transformed in us, we transmit. Like wounds that are not transformed get transmitted. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, let me, let me pause here. What, give me something um, specific, more practical or tangible. What do, what do we mean when we say wounds? Hmm. 
Well, I mean, without telling all your dirty secrets. Yeah, well, till slightly dirty, just slightly soiled secrets. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, like, a lot of the work I've done, um, just like healing over the course of time, I've learned that my deepest wound, my deepest wound mm. is, I can't, it, it goes beyond even an experience. Mm. Um, and I think most, anyone's deepest wound is usually not even tied to a memory. Like it's so deep. Single event, yeah. It's so deep that you can't even grab an end of, yeah. of the of the cord, mm-hmm. right? And and I, like the message for me is I am not enough. Yeah. Right. That if there was some kind of original wound that I carry, mm-hmm. it is that message. Yeah. I am not enough, mm-hmm. and so that wound is kind of has is kind of like. Um, almost like an invasive species like the murder hornet that we were all talking about. <laughs> right. Uh, ripping my head off at every turn. <laughs> and other people's heads off. For not, not other people's heads, but like another human's single head. Oh my God. Um, metaphorically. Metaphorically. Um, but that is, you know, when I feel like I'm not enough, that's something I transmit. Right? That movement of... Everybody's got to deal with that. Right. And so it, here's the thing. The wound is something that we could, that wound, right? Whatever that deepest wound yeah. that we carry, that is our life's work. Yeah. Like I would say, I would say I would spend the rest of my life working in that garden, yeah. in that wound, uncovering those fig leaves. And that's okay. Yeah. Because that actually, I think, is what it means to be resurrected and to take up my yeah. cross and to be resurrected and to take up my cross. Right. So let me ask you a question. Does it help you? By the way, I'm not an expert. You keep asking me all the questions, but I don't. I, didn't, I feel like. Well, you're not asking me any questions. I, I feel, I'm sorry. I'm no, just I'm trying just gonna, to. I don't care. I just want to ask you. Cutting some me off. I know. Okay. That's what we do. Anyway. It's, it's a you know charming banter that we have. Yes. Um, how would it make you feel if someone said, "But Michael, you are good enough." Would that do it for you? No, I mean it is. Uh, that goes in one ear and out the other. Yes. Right. I because mean, these are, this is kind of what we were talking about. There's a, we talk about original sin. We talk about original goodness. People rarely talk about original goodness. And as I think about that paradigm, I'm just going to say, as I think about that paradigm, I feel like there are so many more people in this world who need to hear the message of original goodness mm-hmm. because they are beating themselves into the earth mm-hmm. because they think they're garbage. Yeah. But the answer to that is not to say, but you are good enough. Right. Like, just don't believe that, you know, like that, why doesn't that help? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I would say, I mean, there's plenty of ways to, to describe this, but I would say it's an ego message, right? Right. So the um, antithesis of the wound yeah. isn't what makes it better. Right. So this message that I'm not enough in some ways is, is an ego message, mm. right? It's something that it's, um, it is a message that has been used to kind of protect me, mm. um, that has been used to, um, uh, well, it's certainly been used to control and keep me responsible, yeah. right? Because or if I'm not good enough, right, yeah. if I'm not good enough, then I can always do better mm. and I can always prove myself and that's how I survived. Sure. So when someone says to me, but Michael, you are good enough, that's like trying to, um, I don't know, put... Uh, you know, 
put lotion on someone who's wearing body armor. Mm. That's a weird image. <laughs> but I think that's that's essentially what it is. It's like that. It's too buttery. It's too mm. buttery. Mm-hmm. What what actually um, has to happen is a subversion, mm-hmm. right? Now the answer is not to say, yeah, you're right. You, you are, are shitty, horrible, and yeah. uh, you need to feel that for a little bit, right? Sure. But but I think like we talk about going through the wound, mm-hmm. right? It's not about avoiding. It's not about okay, you feel like garbage. I'm gonna build a bypass for you, yeah. or I'm gonna build a bypass for myself and say, no, I am good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna slap on a bunch of scripture. I'm going to slap on a worship experience. Spiritually transmitted right, issues. Right, spiritually transmitted <laughs> issues, STIs, TM. TM. Um, but, like, the, the point actually is to uncover what those fig leaves. Yeah. It's to uncover the fig leaves. It's to come out from, from hiding. It, uh, yeah, and I don't know any better way to do that than in community. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, Absolutely. I even think of, like, the... The woundedness that I have worked through in my life up to this point, like certainly, like you're a part of that story. But it's not just about marriage. Like so much of uh, what I've been trying to work through in my life has to do with being in groups of women and being okay. And so I need other women to see me, flesh of flesh, bone of bone. Say like, I see you. I hear you. I would say I would say marriage is is actually the. The, the it's not so much the place that we receive healing it's the place that we like learn that we have shit to deal with and then <laughs> we're like so oh true. god i need to go we, well i'll spend a week or so covering that up and rolling around in my shit and then i'll go to my group and realize okay i do have Here's things also i'm am good enough right yes yes anyway community so how have you experienced that like what what has what has that kind of bone of bone in the context of you know, intentional yeah. community look like for you? Well, in certainly in, in my women's group, I joke about like at times my rage rooms, I'll be like, I just need a rage room because I deal with anger and having a safe place to process that actually moves me toward my sadness. Yeah. The moment I start expressing anger and like really feel seen in it by another woman because oftentimes women can't get angry, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like we're not allowed to. Yeah. And so when a group of women can see me in that, it moves me to my sadness and I can grieve and process. I mean, it happens in the group setting, um, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, to bring Jesus in mm-hmm. to this here, mm-hmm. I, which I think often is, there's an issue. There's a lot of baggage around Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and or atonement theories. Yeah, right. Atonement theory, meaning like how we understand what Jesus did on the cross and what it means for us. And the most common way of understanding that, right, is... Penal substitution. Penal substitution, okay? <laughs> which sounds like penis substitution. That's... Which is not what happened not, in the garden. Oh, my gosh. It was rib substitution. All right. Okay, anyway. So I, I, I think that... Like that way of understanding, like penal substitution really is this kind of judiciary. I was guilty. We're in a courtroom right now. Jesus is defending me. And Jesus storms through the back and says, no, I will save him. Take me instead, right? Think of any movie where that happens. Mm -hmm. Mel Gibson in Braveheart. Mel Gibson in (laughs) uh, Signs. Full circle. Okay. I don't know. Mel Gibson in... What? Just Mel Gibson? He did it a lot. He did it a lot. This is a thing. Look it up. He, he, the Mel Gibson people, archetype. Yeah, Mel Gibson really likes to take on everyone's sins. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Passion of the Christ. Oh. Right? 
Is that no? It is. It is. Is that no? No, it's not. No, I don't know. <laughs> it is. Oh, it is. I is that no? No, it's we're on first name um, basis. Anyway, no, it's not. You're right. Mg. So this kind of this kind of uh, understanding of Jesus's work on the cross, that Jesus really was our sacrifice, and now we're all sitting in an audience looking at the sacrifice. Jesus taking on the sin of the world. Right, yeah. because now Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sin, and now I'm clean as a white person. And, <laughs> and the um, Father is taking his pure wrath out yeah, on his son. Yeah, and so since God beat the shit out of his son, now he won't beat the shit out of me. Like, that's... that. And, you know, I, to be slightly crass, is how it's often seen. There's so many problems with that, though. Like what? Well, inherent in substitution uh, atonement theory is the violence of God, yeah. for one. Yeah. And if Jesus can take it on the cross, then I can take it in XYZ situations, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I mean, it. I, I, I fear that substitution theory... Um, it gives way to a lot of potential abuse. Yeah. Because people say, like, well, Jesus did it, so you can too. Well, I think it's really interesting that most of the people that I know who adhere to that kind of theory that Jesus took on my pain and suffering are also people who are super masochistic and sadistic. Yeah. Right? They beat themselves up yeah. and they beat others up. So I think that's really interesting. And, and, and so, like, really, the way that I think you and I have come to think about what happens mm-hmm. here is, at least I have, I don't know where you're at. I mm-hmm. want you to speak to sure. your views, but what Jesus is doing from my point of view is actually leading us in a way, mm-hmm. right? So Jesus says things like, um, these things I have done and you will do these things in greater or something like that. Um, he says, uh, take up your cross daily and follow me. Like a Sherpa. Right, yeah. So we think of Jesus as a sacrifice. Like, that's how we've been taught to think about Jesus. Which is not untrue. It's not untrue. It was truer um, and more helpful, perhaps, to the time. Sure, yes. The culture. We don't have a sacrificial culture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, instead of thinking about Jesus simply as a sacrifice, thinking about Jesus as a Sherpa, a guide, someone who is going ahead of us, and is showing mm-hmm. us the way. And yeah. so what happens on the cross is not something that's simply done and now we benefit from it. Yeah, he did it, I don't have to do it. But it's something that he did and now we follow in, yeah. right? Yeah, I was just telling you earlier, somebody, um, I was praying with someone earlier this week and that person called Jesus our brother. Mm. And every time, I, you know, obviously, to be fair, I have baggage with that because I lost my brother. Mm. But even so, Christ our brother is not a common term that a lot that the church uses that frequently. But that's the reality. He's like our elder brother kind of showing the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Talk more about that. I want to hear more about that. Oh, Christ our brother. Like what does that mean? It. What does that mean for us if if Christ is our brother? Well, it's weird because on the one hand I'm like, is he like our peer? Mm. You know? Or like it's family, you know? And yet like the cross bids us to come and die, you know, and I, you asked me like, what's my, where have I kind of landed? Not that like, there's like a one right atonement theory. I think there's like a big, you know, atonement theories as a category or Western. Yes. Well, and it's just like a hodgepodge of a lot of things. Right. But for me, the, the Christus Victor Christ uh, victorious, um, for me, I, 
when I think about, like, if you were to ask me the question, like, what is it that Jesus does for us on the cross by his resurrection? What is actually happening is the freedom from bondage, mm. from STIs. STIs. <laughs> but any place where we find ourselves in captivity, Jesus has come to set us free. And so that's why when I think about uh, the wound in Adam's side giving way to Adam's then connection with Eve, it makes sense, right? Because for me, like Jesus has come to free me through the wound. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about through Christ's wounds, we're healed. Mm -hmm. Jesus as wounded healer. I mean, that's, that's how we exist in relationship. That's how, that's where greater connection comes from in our relationships. I think about all of my friendships that I'm like, we are thick as thieves and we roll deep there isn't a single one of them that has not been tried mm. by the absolute fire of my woundedness getting transmitted on somebody else. Mm. And mm. then I have to go back to that person and be like, okay, that's not yours. That's mine. And let me tell you why this has happened, mm. you know, and I'm sorry, but like, I don't have a single friendship that I would say like, Oh, this person is like, we are in the thick of it that that hasn't happened with. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that, this is maybe the work of Christ is to bring us back to the garden, yeah. right? I mean, it is to show us once again that c- true connection, uh, tov me'od, is through the wound, yeah. right? So yeah. like we say, like, by, you know, by his wounds we are healed, and yeah. through our wounds we are healed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think the, the gospel... Um, the gospel tells us like that we're not alone when we do that, right? Mm-hmm. But there is this, I, I've maybe coined another term oh. in the last few days, oh, tell me. the gospel of the original wound, Yeah. right? And that that is the good news that we all have this wound, mm-hmm. right? And I, uh, yeah. a friend of mine just asked the other day, you know, he works a lot around um, uh, around issues of, racial inclusion here at Fox. Actually, Bryce Cofield, good friend. The man. And and he asked me the question we were talking about this and he said, "What hope is there uh for, you know, a white upper middle class man uh to do his work, right? Someone who seemingly doesn't have a wound." Mhm. Um cuz people present a lot, right? As though they don't, right? And and there's this whole sense that like, well, I don't really, I don't really have a lot of trauma. I don't really, you know, my parents are together, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But the reality is, is there is a gospel of original woundedness mm-hmm. that is in all of us. Mm-hmm. This gospel of original disconnection. Yeah. Because even if we've grown up and, and our lives have been marked by privilege, but been marked by a lack of suffering, um, there is something. There's something in that. Unhuman yeah. about that. Yep. There's something, I, you could even say superhuman about that. Like for a human being to avoid suffering mm-hmm. through most of their life, whether they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or beyond, to be able to avoid suffering is, I would say, not human. Mm-hmm. And so the, this original wound is probably something that even sounds like you can't be human. Yeah. Right? Uh, messages from my childhood would be like, uh, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. And we mm-hmm. mentioned this on our, one of our first episodes. Like that sense of you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You need to put fig leaves on. 
Mm. You need to present yourself as better than you are. Um, That kind of message is actually not so much subhuman, but superhuman and Mm -hmm. therefore subhuman. Right. And so that original wound is in everyone Mm -hmm. and is and is there for us to enter into and and eventually through. But the throughness is not a one time, oh I'm better. Yeah. It's over the course of our lives. Yeah. And I you know what? I think people know this intuitively. Yeah. This is a gut knowing. And I think, you know, as I think about it, um one of the quotes that comes to mind is uh Brene Brown says in Daring Greatly, vulnerability is the first thing I want to see in you and the last thing I want you to see in me. Mm-hmm. I think that humans, even the rise of Brene Brown and all her courage and vulnerability, all these things is because humans intuitively know this. Mm. We intuitively know our woundedness. And yet so often people are just trying to cover it up. Like sometimes I'm in conversations with people. I'm like, what do you cover? Do you not know that I'm a broken person too? Mm. Like, do you not know that I have the same thing that you have? You don't need to hide it anymore. Like what if we lived in a world where that, that were true? Like, it's okay to be here. You can be here. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a way of like, you don't need to put your tail between your legs to, to like wear your wounds on your sleeve, but like, let's just all acknowledge here that we're human. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that work needs to be done on so many levels, but I would, as someone who is ordained and connected to the church, I would say the church has a lot of work to do there. Yeah. The, the, the church spends so much time and energy and money trying to create situations where people can keep their fig leaves on. Yeah. Which is insane to me. This is insane to me because anyone who is sat in a wound, sat in a place of hardship or suffering, the person that you want to be sitting with you in that space is also someone who is willing to admit, to admit that they've sat there too. Mm-hmm. I don't want a pastor sitting with me that appears to have n- never experienced brokenness. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, that's what empathy is, right? Yeah. Is being able to like... And it, it, that's not to say like, oh, you have to one for one. You lost your dad. I lost mine. So let's sit together. And like sometimes that's great when that happens. But it's it's really about empathy. Like that that space of empathy gets carved out when suffering has excavated yeah. something internally. And so it's so ironic to me that the church, I'm just, you know, painting with a broad brush stroke here, would would hide that mm-hmm. from, you know, or call it or call it like a moral code failure. Mm-hmm. Because that's not what it is. Like, there is an original woundedness that, that I think, like, if, if it's acknowledged, if we can actually remove those fig leaves, take down those masks and acknowledge them, then we could sit with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And if we can accept the invitation of Jesus to carry our cross yeah. daily, in, in other words, to uh, not to hang on the cross not to avoid it, mm. but to carry it, to be active, to choose it, to right? move, to, through, to it, move yeah. through the wound over and over and over again. And sometimes there's going to be wonderful days and seasons mm-hmm. in between that. That's not to say we're like always down the dumps. It's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like the movement is actually to stay cl- close and connected to that wound mm. because it has incredible energy for us, right? If we can, if we can hear it, yeah. We can listen to it and uh, It's not something it. that separates us from people. No. It's, it's the thing that has the opportunity to connect us. It's what connects us. Thanks for tuning in to the Profaned Ordained podcast. 
Be sure to share us on your Instagram stories. We will give you an elbow emoji. Catch you on the flippity.